Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Tom Korski is back with us, executive editor of Black Locks Reporter at Minding Ottawa on Twitter. You are covering some amazing stories. So what's your status now with the press gallery? Well, I've been evicted. Uh, oh, I know that. But me from the out, National Press Building. Yeah, the executive of the Parliamentary Press Gallery. They showed up with um, a constable, an armed constable, to serve an eviction notice, and I've been evicted. And this is all going to the litigators, uh, Roy. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an unfortunate situation. It, re- it really, really is. Um, so two weeks ago, we were, well, not you, well, I'm sure you and I were, but not talking to each other. The big issue was the Emergencies Act and the conclusion of the, of the public hearings, the six weeks of public hearings. It felt more like six months. But uh, now there's very little being said. Um, is there something that, that you have on this that we, can, we should know? Well, we have lots to say. My favorite part of the uh, commission never appeared on television or the Internet, and that was the documents. There were documents compelled, thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents that are absolute gold. Because they tell you what happened in real time, what people were thinking, and what people were saying. And I don't want to shock you, Roy, very often it is contrary to what was said publicly. For instance, there was, you may recall, in the day, the prime minister and members of his own cabinet, at least two ministers, said this was the Freedom Convoy was a foreign-funded attempt at really Oh, I recall. And internally, they knew that was not the case. We see that through documents that were deposited with the Public Order Emergency Commission. They knew that it, that was fake news. It was that cynical. The documents are dynamite, in my opinion. Well, there was something else that had to do with, uh, was it Facebook? I, I, I read the story, and uh, th- there was not nearly the kind of public interest in the story that they were trying to tell us. I think, was it, was it one, one person was responding on Facebook? Is yeah, Via Rail uh, spread a rumor because they saw a Facebook post, and the rumor was that uh, the Freedom Convoy was going to start putting blocks on train tracks, main lines going to shut down the economy. And everyone, they wet their pants. I'm, I'm sorry to be crude, Roy. This went right to the top of the public service to the clerk of the Privy Council. Her name is Jana Sherrod. She's head of the federal public service. And she spread this rumor to the Department of Transport and others in a staff email. What are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. It doesn't stop. What's happening? Absolute hysteria. Until, of all people, Canadian National Railway Police stepped in and said, uh, listen, this is one guy in Sarnia who put it on one Facebook post and it got six likes. Calm down. Everyone just calm down. But it was a witch hunt, Roy. They don't want to talk about that anymore. But last February, in the heyday of the convoy, it was a witch hunt. It was honest-to-goodness hysteria. And you see that in those documents in real time. They would have believed literally anything that moved over their Facebook posts. You know, I've always, I've lived according to one basic tenet my entire life. Don't stop thinking. No matter what you face in life, no matter the situation, 
Don't stop thinking. You will be at your best if you start, if you continue to think, but if you stop thinking and you start just reacting, it is going to be like a moth around a flame, and eventually the moth ends up in the flame, and we know what the result of that is, but I think we had a situation that was starting to look like that, and uh, yeah, okay, let's move on here. So the Canada Revenue Agency spent $320 million chasing waste in COVID relief payments. You write and have 2,600 employees doing checks never done in the first place. Do you know what? I'm getting a headache with that one. You know, Roy, it is. It's true. You don't actually, when we see those documents, you don't know whether, whether to weep or whether to swear. So they have sent, the Canada Revenue Agency have sent, as you mentioned, 2,000 employees, more than 2,000 employees. Their sole function now is to chase deadbeats and payments that went to companies, wage subsidies, that in cases, in some cases, companies that were in tax default. Other people who received the famous $2,000 SERB checks weren't even qualified, grade nine students, prisoners, dead people, because they didn't do the cursory checks up front. And just chasing the accounts and the audits and the collections has caused, as you mentioned, a third of a billion so far. A third of a billion dollars, not for sick children, not for widows or orphans, hospitals, forget it. This is just doing what they couldn't do in the first instance which is why it starts to get really expensive. How much will this cost ultimately? I'm glad you're sitting down, Roy. They say probably about $900 million, but they're not really sure. So $320 million chasing waste, as you write on Black Locks Reporter at Mining Ottawa. $320 million chasing waste and COVID relief payments. 2,600 employees. That's a lot of people. That's, that's a big company. 2,600 employees doing checks, which were never done in the first place. So I smell political opportunism at play here. And hopefully it's for them. Their thinking is, let's hope nobody gets back to part A. Like, why didn't we check in the first place? We'll just go to part B and say it's money well spent because we're trying to find out where, what happened. They've never answered that question, Roy. They, they've been asked that question. I've never answered it. You, look, isn't that just, t- Tom, isn't that the most frustrating thing, though? When I, you I, ask the most logical question of these people, these people being the people in government, the people who have absolutely. the responsibility to responsibly spend our money and, and manage our affairs pragmatically, and we ask them a question and they duck it or they just simply refuse to answer. Absolutely. No, of, of course you can, they can't answer why they sent tax relief payments to companies in tax default, they can't run a passport office. It's not about accountability. You know that, right? They're good at at apps, though. They're good at apps. Yeah. Yeah, they're good at apps, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The apps they've got uh, nailed. They got that nailed. Only 54 million. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, it really makes me want to listen to Dua Diddy again. So, uh, moving right along here, we, uh, we have been talking about uh, the gun law, uh, Bill C-21 and the amendment 
on this program today quite a bit. It has people's attention in Canada. But we also had a situation where um, a conservative member of parliament was kicked out of parliament for accusing the government of being liars. Well, please, I've heard much worse. I've seen much worse. I saw the prime minister elbows up going into the corners in parliament and and harming uh, a woman, a member of the NDP. So it, these are the situations that absolutely frustrate. When we look at our government, it's frustrating enough to look at a question period and listen to them. So a question is asked, and up pops Justin Trudeau, and he's got his memorized sentence, and he just repeats it over and over and over. I'm not saying the other side is necessarily better at it. But these are the situations, Tom, and must be absolutely terminally frustrating for you to deal with these. Well, it's also, you, you see a point always when you see successive governments, and they are in year eight now. Louis Saint Laurent was asked after he lost the election in 57, what went wrong? And he said, I guess they just got tired of having us around, which was really, frankly, deep insight yeah. by a corporate lawyer. Yeah. You know, there's something to that. It just gets tiresome. When you start getting into year eight, they start getting arrogant. Everyone else starts to get angry and fed up. And then it does sort of feed into this cycle of negativity. It's really, it's not the Christmas spirit, right? No. And it's so frustrating for people, for the Canadian who's propping up the system or doing the best he or she can, uh, given the inflation rate, given interest rates, given what's happening to housing, given the uncertainty about whether or not we have a recession, and if we have a recession, how significant is it going to be? When you've got all these things on your mind, and you're worried maybe to a greater or lesser degree, depends on the individual, about uh, the, the current um, uh, situation with the flu and COVID, all these things are going on. And meanwhile, in our place of governance, they're playing games. There's a takeaway here, uh, Roy, and, I, and I, I mean, information is never, you know, wasted, even if it's bad news, right? Mm -hmm. And there, there's something that's really happened, I think, with this pandemic. It's been very profound and far-reaching. You've learned the limits of government. It's just that plan. That is true. For the longest time, they were amazing. They, could, they had space programs. They could do anything. They, it was absolutely incredible, the brightest and the best. We know that's not the case. We know they can't run a mask warehouse. There's a lot of mediocrity. There's a lot of very senior executives who are amazingly average, and it's very expensive. That's an important takeaway. I once asked Tom Caldwell, the chairman of Caldwell Securities, this goes back a number of years, and we were talking about the, uh, the people in Parliament who at the time, there were 308 seats. I remember the conversation well. And I said, Tom, uh, would you be interested in hiring any of the 308? He said, oh, my God, no, I couldn't stand the losses. So I've never forgotten that. And I know he was, I know there was some hyperbole involved, and I know it was a figure of speech, but it really pointed to an issue that many of us in Canada feel. We look at our federal government, and we point the finger at all of them and say, grow up, remember why you're there. I'm going to say something. I'm going to st stick up for 338 MPs, though. This is not going to be a popular opinion, but I know you won't, you won't think less of me to the degree that's possible, right? Those 338 people, my, in my experience, are the biggest go-getters in their hometown. That's how they got there. And almost all of them, I think, bring something to the table. But I, I would also say to people, look at 
win, lose, or draw, they're the only friend you have in Ottawa. It's, it's just that plain. Whether you voted for your MP or not, trust me, you are not going to talk to a deputy minister. You are not getting a cabinet minister on the phone. Your MP is the only friend you have. That's my take. But perception becomes reality. And the perception is that once you are in that, uh, in that building, as the go-getter from your, from your town or your constituency, your influence wanes. I had a conversation with Brian Mulrooney about that. I said to him in a one-on-one conversation, one hour, exclusive interview, I'll tell you one day how I got that. That was sneaky, but we got it done. And I said to him, Prime Minister, what I hear from people, from callers consistently is, at the constituency level, we elect someone who goes to Ottawa, and that person is then there and hears from his or her constituents about things they want to get done. Nothing gets done unless you sign off on it, because ultimately, you're the boss. And Mr. Mulrooney said, I'm tired of the bitchers and complainers. Do you think that went national, Tom? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I guess I'm... Uh, let me put it to you this way. There are MPs, and this is in all parties, who I really admire. By the way, I bet most people have never heard of any of them. These are people who look for incremental improvements, and it's a lot of work. It is an astonishing amount of work. And I mean like a bill to have a unified system of call before you dig so we don't keep damaging utilities at every construction site. You'd say, how difficult could that be? You want to know how difficult that is? that there would be a private bill that the government of Canada pay all subcontractors on public works promptly, not when the general contractor feels like it. You say, what's the big deal? There are small subcontractors who have gone out of business. They have gone out waiting for payment. Those are the incremental improvements. So this is one that I uh, I really paid attention to because it's got (laughs) to do with billions of dollars. Fed spent $2.3 billion while we slept last night. What a headline. A lot of debt. It's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? That was when the Bank of Canada once again raised the interest rate yeah. on the prime rate for the seventh time this year. And there's an approximate calculation for every one percentage point increase in the prime rate and all subsequent rates cost the taxpayers of Canada about four and a half to five billion dollars more in debt service charges. That's a calculation by the budget office. It's interesting, uh, Roy, that's the thing about debt, isn't it? That every year when you, that you can imagine the lineup of people with needs, uh, children, widows, orphans, hospitals, number one is the bondholder. They will get paid hell or high water before you spend a penny on anything else. And that's what happens when you don't pay your bills. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 